get a wham burger and some french fries. Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. Remember that guy in high school that reminded you of B-Rad G from Malibu's Most Wanted? If you don't know what I'm talking about, well, first, you need to check that movie out. Second, you can probably see the reference I'm making just by the title of today's show. Kid Rock has been one of music's biggest names over the last 20 years, selling millions of albums, selling out shows all over the world, and making a name for himself as one hell of a performer. I got the opportunity to see him live in concert around 2001, and he didn't disappoint. There were chicks dancing on stage in cages, pyrotechnics through the roof, all while Kid Rock played every instrument in the band throughout the concert. I'm not sure if it was the music or the alcohol, but the girls in front of us didn't want to walk to the bathroom and miss the show, so they squatted and peed right there on the floor in front of us. It was quite fitting. But over the years, Kid has put his name in the news probably more often than he wanted. Quotes like saying Oprah could suck a dick sideways, and that Taylor Swift could suck her way to the top of Hollyweird. Although he originally was a rapper performing mostly for black audiences, he's been labeled as a bit of a racist. But are all the grumblings true, or is Kid just misunderstood as an artist? What was it like to be married to Pamela Anderson? Did Daddy fund his rise to the top, or was it hard work and a little bit of luck? Grab your Budweiser, Wife Beater t-shirt, and a set of turntables as we dive into the Kid Rock episode of Asshole Court. You crying, boy? You crying, boy? Maybe we'll go back down to McDonald's and get you a Whamburger and some French fries. How about a wine kid? You little sissy boy! Def Leppard sucks! All right, we want to give a big shout out to both Victor Sanchez and Jenny from Grand Rapids for their show suggestion. Yeah. Thanks, Yay. Big Vic and Jenny. That's right. Yeah, nice. This is a pretty good one. And you guys keep your suggestions coming, and uh, you too might have one of your uh, people in the courtroom soon. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And a little Maybe shout tomorrow. out to go along with it. Yeah, that's right. All right, boys, let's get some pre-show scores for Kid Rock. Buddy, what you got? All right, so... um. You know, I've I've seen Kid Rock over the years. You know, we grew up seeing some of like right as he was blowing up, um, you know, kind of like in the high school days, uh, roughly. And uh, yeah, he just kind of seems like that party redneck that I mean, like we all grew up with. You know, we always knew a couple of those party rednecks and you go hang out with them. You drink a lot of beers, have a really good time and, you know, listen to music probably a little bit too loud and Mm -hmm. maybe fire off a gun or two and, you know, have a good time. And that's kind of how I picture Kid Rock is. You know, I'm interested to see what we peel back in this show because, you know, I, I got to imagine that 
with as much of a good time he likes to have, there's also a bad time that goes with all of those good times. I did see something uh, this week I, on y'all's suggestion. I started watching Silicon Valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he is actually the very first person yeah, right. that you see in that show. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's doing a concert for one of the. Oh, that's right. Yeah. For absolutely. the dude. And like the yeah. very first lines of that sh- entire series is, yeah. my name yeah. is Kid. Yeah. You know? Um, so it was quite timely. Um, I also saw a meme this week that said that um, Kid Rock makes music for people who know the exact legal amount of Sudafed you can buy at Walgreens. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's uh, that's very good. <laughs> kind of hit the nail yeah. right on the head. So I'm interested to see what we find out in the show. Um, pre-show, I don't really know a lot about his off-the-stage antics, so I'm going to say that he's probably right in range with the average guy, and if we say the average mm-hmm. guy's a three or a four, I'm going to give him... A four and a half off the rip. Okay. And we'll see where he ends by the end of the show. All right. 4.5 for Buddy. Mikey, what do you got? So I'm conflicted a little bit because, yeah, I remember the first time I ever even saw like the CD cover for like Devil Without a Cause. And I was like, who the fuck is this? And it was a friend of ours. And he was like, oh, it's this guy I found. And it was the first song was like, I am the bull god. Yeah. And we were like, okay, I mean, this is kind of cool, you know. And then Ba Wada Ba came out. And all of a sudden, this dude was huge. Yeah. And everybody was like, and it was fun. It was fun. It was like, it was like, in my mind at the time, I was like, yeah, dude, this dude came out of the trailer park and it's just made good for himself. So that's great. Then I have, like, honestly, uh, his turn in Joe Dirt is golden. Yes. He yeah. did a very good job in that part. I liked it a lot. Um, uh, you know, and then it seems like he sort of went away for a while and I never was like a huge, huge fan, so I didn't follow him. But then I know over the past couple years, he's shown up like he sounds like a 65 year old boomer that just fucking <laughs> has plugged into Fox <laughs> News for the past like decade and is like really he's like he's putting his flag into his uh, territory now. and He's like <laughs> This is where I'm at. Everybody uh, that hates Joe Biden, the Democrats can come here and rock out hard with me, which I'm. it's just strange to me. So I'm going to just keep it sort of short there. I'm going to put him at a 5.25 to start. All right. 5.25. All right. Look, I can't really hide my love for Kid Rock. It's been proven over our show's time that I kind of like crappy music. <laughs> uh, but like I said in the intro, the dude puts on a hell of a show. Yeah. I'll give him um, that. Sure. Yeah, his his politics sometimes get the spotlight, but as a musician, I mean, he's he's good. He is. He's solid. I didn't realize. Uh, you said when you saw him in concert that he he played all the instruments Every at one instrument. time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He would go back. But he didn't and... say well. He just was like, <laughs> bang, 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 bang. that's my guitar. Hold on, I'm over the drums. I'm just kidding. He he did well. <laughs> yeah. Um. Dude grinded it out for years before he got his big break. Yeah, I mean, some of his public views have made the spotlight. But, you know, deep down, I, I do think he's he's a decent dude, and he hasn't killed anyone. Uh, so I'm going to start him. I'm actually right with Buddy. I'm at a 4.5 okay. pre-show for Kid Rock. All right. With a 4.5 from Buddy, a 5.25 from Mikey, and a 4.5 from Randy, Kid Rock's pre-show asshole score is a 4.75. All right, 4.75 puts him just in between Dustin Diamond and Ty Cobb on our scale of assholery. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Dustin Diamond, I I, honestly, I can see that. 
Yeah, I, I think he'd probably be a little bit higher than Dustin Diamond. But no, Dustin Diamond was a bit of an asshole. He was a bit of an asshole. Yeah. Surprising, but he was shit on a lot too. So, like literally, <laughs> <laughs> go check out that episode. There's just some talk of doo doo in there, if that's your thing. <laughs> or uh, what's his name, uh, Mister Antivirus? Well, that's a few people. Oh yeah, John McAfee. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. yeah. He yeah, that was. Oh, oh yeah, God. they shit in his mouth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Eat the poo poo. Go check that show out, guys. Yeah, yeah. that's your thing. <laughs> Go back and re-listen to that one. <laughs> awesome. You guys ready to rock this shit out? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's gonna be a redneck and rip roaring good time. Always. Robert James Ritchie was born in Romeo, Michigan, on January seventeenth, nineteen seventy-one. The son of Susan and William Ritchie. He was the third of four children, having an older brother, Billy, older sister, Carol, and a younger sister, Jill. Billy Ritchie? Billy Ritchie. Solid, solid yeah. name. His sister, Jill, is an actress and has been in a couple movies, uh, but the only thing that I recognized for her IMDb was she was in an episode of Arrested Development. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Somebody said that she looks exactly like him without a goatee. That'd be kind of funny. Yeah. All right. Kind of yeah. like the Bob Saget and his daughter. Look, like when he puts on Bob the wig, it, they look like twins. That's horrifying. Yeah. Oh, wow. it, I mean, Can you it, imagine being her husband and having to fuck Bob Saget with a wig <laughs> all the time? <laughs> God, like you're fucking her while you're watching Full House and just having like a, a disassociative body experience. You know, you're just like, I just don't even know what's happening. Throw that ass, Danny yeah. Tanner. <laughs> don't call me Danny again. Okay, DT. <laughs> R.I.P. I'm about to DP that DT, bro. <laughs> all right, sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, so if you listen to the lyrics of Kid Rock, you would definitely pick up on the fact that he grew up in the trailer park, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, right? Not so fast, my friends. Mm. You see, Bob, as his friends call him, grew up in an affluent environment just outside Detroit in the town of Romeo. His family lived in a 5,600-square-foot home with six acres of land. Wow. Okay. To put that in context... The average home size is probably around 2,000. 2000. Yep. And that's that might even be big. Like, Yeah, that's, it's a good size home. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. looked at the house online, and yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, it's got a swimming pool, tennis court in the backyard, separate three-car garage. It's a nice place. Was yeah. there at least a trailer on the property? He Fuck could, no. like, kick the door that's out. That's probably of? where he stored his four-wheelers and his <laughs> snowmobiles. <laughs> yeah. Like he said, like, uh, B. Rad said, he's like, I even got some friends that did time in public school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's chores at home included mowing the lawn, picking apples from the family orchard, and feeding horses. Bob's the apples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bob's dad owned a successful Lincoln Mercury dealership. Okay. Okay. And if you don't know, there is a lot of money to be made in the car business. Absolutely. Especially oh. then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Nonetheless, Rock's childhood was not as happy as one might expect. Throughout his upbringing, until he succeeded as a musician... Kid Rock had a troubled past with his father, as documented in his song, My Oedipus Complex, from the EP, Fire It Up. Which is interesting. Does he know the whole story of Oedipus? I highly doubt it, but I again, I've been wrong so many times. That well, <laughs> the, the problem there is that Oedipus like, ended up fucking his mom. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Killing his dad and fucking boning his mom. So I think... Bob probably needs to read up a little bit more before he starts just dropping like Greek classics on there and be like, yeah, bro. He said, I'm a fucking... <laughs> Gave my mom the ball with the ball. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I call an edible complex. An edible complex is actually where they like a son is attracted to his mother. Hmm. Oh, yeah, like yeah. not the reverse, like Jeremy 
where the mom was attracted to the son. From the Pearl Jam song? Yeah. What? I can't understand the lyrics of that song. No, I don't even know. I just thought either is. he killed everybody in his class or he killed himself in front so of the class. So it's a trio. It's like the Mama Son trio or something like that. But it basically over the three songs, the father dies and the mom starts raising the son, but she can't handle it. But then he starts to look like her. Or like dad, so she starts oh, fucking... God, I'll never yeah. listen to 10 the same way again. Yeah, I think it's like three songs off 10 or right around from that time. Clearly that, I remember fucking on my mom. Yeah, that, but that's Seems Jeremy, the, okay, the right. boy of that. Thanks for that. Yeah. It makes me want to puke in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> so Kid Rock describes his father as a workaholic and often distant and demanding parent who never approved of his lifestyle and musical pursuits. So honestly, what would you do if you were a pretty successful person doing things right in life, trying to teach your kids all you can and set them up for success. And your son thinks he's going to be a white rapper in 1988. Yeah, Ooh. and that was, that isn't like now. It's even, it's not great now. But in 88, you're like, what is hip hop again? Yeah, <laughs> this right. This is going to be huge. You're going to be Chuck D? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, his dad had no clue who Chuck D was. <laughs> I I can't, yeah, it, it would be disappointing. So when his father sold his dealership in 1999, he tried one last time to persuade Rock to take over the business and leave music for the weekends. However, Rock and his father, who became less judgmental after Rock's success, finally made peace sometime later that year. With their relationship more or less amended, Rock's father proudly wears a Devil Without a Cause t-shirt and calls himself Daddy Rock. That's... that's that he deserves all of that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I would just be like, I'm still wearing the same shit. I'm supportive of my son, but it doesn't mean I'm going to start listening to fucking his music, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, not popping up backstage with like the American flag, yeah. bedazzled trench coat or something like yeah. that. Still wearing what you normally would wear. Yeah, it's very... Uh, uh, hey, good bedazzled for him. Bedazzled trench coat. <laughs> American flag. Yeah. yeah. As Bob grew older, he started to develop more urban interests like breakdancing and listening to hip-hop records and often backed out of his duties around the family home. How can I say it? He was original, said his sister Carol, who manages Rock's finances. <laughs> she has a vested interest in, in, yeah. It's funny, if he had ended up being homeless and shit, they'd be like, he was always a pain in my ass. Always asking me for money, wouldn't pick up the apples or feed them to the horses. Always had to break dance or whatever that shit is. But of course, he like hits it big and she becomes his money manager. She's like, I just knew he was going to be incredible oh, from he the was get different. go. Yeah. Dad knew the whole time, too. He, he wouldn't wear that shirt at the dealership, but he did wear it around the house. He had to be tough on him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have walked this path i remember many times him out there dad out there picking apples and feeding them to the horses with his devil without a cause shirt <laughs> carol said he always did what he wanted to do when michael jackson was on tv with his white socks up to here bob was upstairs the next day having my mom hem his pants music was all he cared about in addition to hip-hop music bob also enjoyed rockers such as bob seeger ted nugent and leonard skinnard as well as the music of country legends dwight yoakam and hank williams jr so you guys know I'm a huge Leonard Skinner fan. Yeah, you oh, yeah. always have. Give been. me back, give me back my bullet. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty uh, like diverse record collection. So that's cool. Yeah, no, it is. At around the age of thirteen or fourteen, Rock received his first set of turntables for Christmas from his mother, and soon thereafter, he went to his first party in Detroit with some black girls from Romeo High School. At the party, the DJ took notice of Rock, the only white kid at the party, and let him join in. Consequently, Rock's self-taught scratching so impressed an amateur promoter that he offered Rock a gig to DJ in the Detroit suburb of Mount Clemens. And before Rock knew it, 
He was spinning records for all black crowds all around the Detroit area. At first, people would be like, who is this white guy? <laughs> Said Rock's friend, Chris Pouncey. But once they heard him scratch, he always got love in the neighborhood. Inspired by the overwhelming acceptance, Rock earned enough money picking apples at his home to upgrade his equipment <laughs> and also added rapping to his DJ shows. Dude, have you ever seen the pictures of him at this time? Oh, fuck yeah. With the, he's the got, vanilla ice hair. He looks almost oh, like really? kid, a white kid in play. You know, the yeah. high. Oh, wow. The high fro. Yeah, he went full. It was, yeah, it was, it was a sign of the times there for sure, man. Wow. That cracks me up, though. Like, he's like 17. They're like, you want to earn enough money for your latest record? You've got to pick at least 14 apples <laughs> off of each tree. What the fuck do they have? A, like, what do they do with these apples? Sell them. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, I'm so tired of fucking apple pie, ma. I can't for real. What do you do with all those apples? They have apple pie stands outside the concerts that I sell guess them. So yeah, and I love it. They're like, he was so impressed that he got a, a gig right here in the in Detroit, in a suburb of Detroit, at a roller skating rink <laughs> for children <laughs> in a suburb of Detroit. <laughs> every every every. <laughs> so Bobby Rich, as I like to think he would have called himself during his rap days, was gaining some attention in the Detroit area. One of those people who took notice of Bobby Rich was producer Mike E. Clark. Clark said, I cut his demos as a kid before he got signed in 1989. I was working with mostly young black teenagers then. I didn't know he was white. We caught each other off guard when he came in. I thought, yeah, sure, a white guy's going to rap. But he shut me up. He had his turntable, he had his beats, and his stuff already written. He had his shit together, and honestly, it blew me away. He was very confident and had the high top fade, very sharp. You could tell right away he wasn't bullshitting. He had a shitty little Casio keyboard and knew exactly what he was going to do with it. Joe Neport, manager of the Ritz State Theater, said, Bob was just straight up rap then. He didn't have a band. You heard that early stuff. A lot of profanity, real edgy, hardcore. I wasn't a big rap fan, but I liked his stuff. But I do remember telling him, dude, if you're going to make it to the next level, you got to clean it up. He'd go to every high school around and pop his trunk open when the school let out, handing out free samples. Back then, all-age shows didn't really exist. It was 18 and over, headliners going on at midnight. Bob comes in, promotes his shows as all ages with early starts, and he was getting 1,200 kids a show there. And I love how the guy is like, he's like, yeah, right, a white guy rap? Uh, the first platinum rap album ever was the Beastie Boys. Huh. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a <laughs> no way would they ever sell a white rapper. <laughs> now, three white rappers <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> now we're yeah. talking. He drew from all over Metro Detroit, but predominantly the east side. He was from Romeo. But he has cut his chops in Mount Clemens, so those were his roots. Romeo and Mount Clemens, the mean <laughs> streets. Of, yeah. With the help of Mikey Clark and D-Nice, Kid Rock signed with Jive Records at the age of 17, releasing his debut studio album, Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast, in 1990. Huh. You, did you listen to any of this? No. Okay. Oh, i got to wow. try to track it down and see. Yeah. Grit. And also, Grit Sandwiches. I just What is it with Detroit and all your sandwiches? Spaghetti sandwiches? Grit sandwiches, soup sandwich, all very shit loose. sandwich. Yeah, all very loose sandwiches. Yeah, what yeah. is up with that? According to Kid Rock, the contract with Jive resulted in animosity from fellow rapper Vanilla Ice, who felt that he should have been signed with Jive instead of Kid Rock. Mike Himes, the owner of Record Time Shop in Detroit, said when Grit Sandwiches came out, he came in for an in-store performance at 10 in Gradiot. He had the tall hair, spinning like he would at the bar in Mount Clemens. He had a decent turnout. Toward the end, this blonde-haired, skinny kid kept yelling out, I'll battle you. I'll battle you. Just persistently getting in Kid Rock's face. Oh. I came up to him. I said, dude, this is his day, his event. 
Maybe one day you'll have your day, but leave the guy alone. The guy followed him out in the parking lot, still talking shit. That was Eminem. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. He gave him a couple of his tapes, said, check me out. Kid Rock took the tapes and was actually pretty cordial about it. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. I know they were friends for a while. Well, and I you, don't think so anymore, but. And if you're coming up at that time and, you know, you find, uh, you're a DJ and you find some kind of like mm-hmm. fresh MC, something like that, you definitely want to partner with them and be dropping their stuff before anybody else has a chance to get it. So. It's a good way to start. I'll fight you in the parking lot. Fight me in the parking lot. Battle me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my tape, man. Check me out real but quick. For real, man. for yeah. real. Sorry I punched you in the face, but I mean, this is just, you know, this is some hot hip-hop beats. With I'm some a, spaghetti. Spaghetti sandwich. It's mom's spaghetti. <laughs> mm. You should use that sometime. Maybe I will. Did you put spaghetti into a tape cassette? <laughs> this is disgusting. I was eating on the way over here. It fell in. I'm sorry. I, I was excited. My knees were weak. My palms were sweaty yeah. before I got here. It's a whole new thing. I'm selling spaghetti and tape cassettes everywhere. <laughs> The whole thing is called the spaghetti incident. <laughs> Mikey Clark said in the same interview, in 1990, Vanilla Ice came out and stunk things up. So Jive decided they didn't want a white rapper anymore. Aww. They couldn't see the future and they dropped Kid Rock from the label. It was devastating. So essentially, because Vanilla Ice wound up sucking, Kid Rock got dropped from Jive Records. He did ruin the ability for for white rappers to be taken seriously for like damn near a decade yeah and i swear did. to god i remember when eminem first came out and i saw it and he was like hi my name is hi and i was like yo this dude is like he's not this is great because he's not taking himself seriously i was like he looks like it's it's like maybe he's like the weird owl of rap and then i listened to the rest of that album yeah. <laughs> i was like holy shit and then he turned everything around where it was like oh cool you can respect a white hip-hop artist again Big thanks for all the support over the last two years, and now we've got something new for you. Conspiracy Court. We'll take the wildest and sometimes most believable conspiracies and run them through our courtroom-style show to see what you think. These shows will be available exclusively on Patreon.com, and you can find us there at AHC Podcast. While you're there, you can sign up for ad-free shows, voting power on future episodes, stickers, swag, and a whole lot more. Check it out today. Once again, Thanks for everything, and we couldn't do it without you guys. Now, let's get back to the courtroom. After getting dropped by Jive, he signed with a local label named Continuum Records. In the summer of 1993, Rock's ex-girlfriend gave birth to his son, Robert Ritchie Jr., who became known to everyone as Junior. Later that year, Rock found his way to White Room Studios in downtown Detroit, run by brothers Michael and Andrew Nera. Rock cut tracks for a second and final Continuum release, the Fired Up EP, which featured the rock-heavy song "I Am the Bull God." Okay, and an, another one with a country twist, a gritty cover of Hank Williams Jr. "Country Boy Can't Survive." And did you listen to that one? Of course I, know, I did. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> of course I did. Randy says, "Country Boy Can't Survive." <laughs> it was okay. Here's yeah. what I did: I listened to his version, mm-hmm. and I was like, "That's all right." Anyway. Then I listened to the real Hank Williams Jr. version, and you're like, "Yeah, that's." That just got added to the playlist. <laughs> yeah, I can skin a buck with my dick right now. <laughs> Dude by the name of Bob Ebeling, he was a drummer and a music engineer, said one time we were living together in Sterling Heights at possibly the lowest point of his life. He had lived with his girlfriend, Kelly. There were three kids. He thought two of them were his, 
And then he found out that one of them wasn't. Oh, Ooh. you'd rather rather them both not be yours, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He lost uh, twice. <laughs> she had twins, and one of them was. Yeah. Wait, I don't remember this. She's like, you guys touch dicks. Crossed <laughs> swords. Wa- all right, I saw him. I don't. I was blacked out on Xanax. <laughs> it was a weird night. <laughs> Obviously, he said he was emotionally torn up going through all that deep heartbreak stuff. They split up, and that's when I moved into the apartment. He was also kind of disenfranchised from his dad at this point, so there wasn't a lot of financial support coming from the family. So he was probably the most alone he had ever been, being heartbroken and away from his family and being on a smaller label like Continuum, not getting as much financial support. And no apples to pick. Yep. (laughs) Cut off from the apple (laughs) farm. But the one thing that was still there, he was motivated by fame. I've worked with five or six pretty big stars, Eminem, Rufus, Wainwright, Fish, And there's certainly a certain archetype personality that just needs to be famous. Mm -hmm. Fame is quite an ugly thing to me, and most people would be scared to death of it, but he was driven by it. He talked about it in ways that didn't even make sense to me, and he relished in it. He loved it when he would go out to eat and somebody recognized him. He had this whole reward system in his head that didn't exist in other people's. When people recognize you and want a piece of you, it was the equivalent of being wealthy. He just ate that shit up. I think it would be fun for like the first... Six months to a year, maybe. Yeah. But it would get old real fucking quick. Of course. Oh, dude, imagine just going outside to, like, check the mail, uh-uh. and people are taking your picture and shit. Yeah, I no. I, and that's, that's I, we've talked about this on the show, I think, before, but I, they would be like, dude, that Mikey's an asshole. Like, I asked for an autograph, but he just didn't say a word to me. Just walked right into the store. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't have, that's not my... No, (laughs) I decline. I just want to eat. (laughs) Please leave me alone. They'd be like, "Wow, Randy's really let himself go." Because when I I don't have anywhere to really be, and I'm just like around the house, it's like sweatpants and a t-shirt, yeah, bare feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? I'd be like Adam Sandler walking around New York, right? You know that 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 would be my t-shirt, flip flops. I can't even imagine that you're like on the beach and you're like, "Man, I put on like 25 pounds." And then you're like just chilling, drinking a beer, and you stand up, and you're like patting your gut. You're like, oh, dang it, I'm getting big. And then you look over, and there's some dude with a telephoto lens. You're like, you motherfucker. Next thing you know, you're on the cover of some um, like magazine at the grocery checkout. It's like, look at the fat ass Mike. But <laughs> some of them, like, his heart, his heart health is, is troubling. You're like, that's not true at all. And you see the guy taking your picture, and you just kind of pick your belly button and smile. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> They did that to Vin Diesel, though. They took pictures of him on the beach, and he had like gotten a little bit of a beer gut, yeah. and they were blowing up on him. They're like, everybody's like, really? You're cracking on Vin Diesel from your keyboard. Yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. Way to go there, <laughs> hey, warrior. motherfuckers just... The people that they're buying the magazines. <laughs> obviously, somebody out there cares about Vin Diesel's body. Not me. Not lately. <laughs> By 1994, Kid Rock's live performances had mostly been backed by DJs Blackman and Uncle Cracker. But Kid Rock soon began to utilize more and more live instrumentation into his performances and formed the rock band Twisted Brown Trucker. 1994 was also the year that Kid Rock added a well-known piece to his entourage. Joseph Kalea, a.k.a. Joe C., first met fellow Michigan musician Kid Rock at a concert in Roseville, Michigan in 1994. Kid Rock said in the interview that he mistakenly thought Joe C., who stood three foot nine inches tall, was a child and said that he used to come to all my shows and be standing on the tables in the front row singing all the lyrics. Kalea asked a mutual acquaintance to tell Rock he wanted to smoke a joint with him. 
Rock said, after which the pair formally met, and Rock learned that Kalea was actually a 21-year-old adult. <laughs> he did this whole time. No clue. He thought it was like just a seven-year-old kid. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. The sixth grader wants to come smoke a joint yeah. with me. I mean... He knows all the lyrics to my shit. So. I, I guess I at least owe him that. Kid Rock said, he, we're talking, and I'm like, do you want a job? He's like, I can't do anything. He's like, I'm not important right now. And I told him, you got an attitude flying all over this room. I'll teach you everything you need to know. 1997 rolled around and Joe C got himself in a little bit of controversy when he posed with two naked strippers for an album cover for rapper Shortcut. A Royal Oak, Michigan photo lab reported the image as possible child pornography, but the investigation was closed <laughs> less than a day later when Joe C verified his age to be 23. Wait, so Joe C was naked? No, the strippers were naked. Oh, I thought that it was Josie along with the strippers yeah, naked there. Yeah, I thought that he was a child, so it would be child porn. That's well, cool. but even like a picture of a kid uh, with, guess, two yeah. with two people. naked people. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yep. But he's That's really 23, <laughs> so. Yeah. Kid Rock's attorney, Tommy Valentino. Yeah, he got the yeah. good one. <laughs> I wanted to be represented by Tommy Valentino. Yeah. He increased his stature by helping him get articles written about Kid Rock and Twisted Brown Trucker in major publications, including the Beastie Boys' Grand Royal magazine. Okay. But though his management tried to interest local record labels in his music, they told his management team that they weren't interested in signing a white rapper, to which Valentino told him, he's not a white rapper, he's a rock star and everything in between. That's a pretty good branding decision on his part. Because mm-hmm. like I said, at this point, they, like a white rapper was toxic. Yeah. They're like, hell oh, 100%. no. 100%. We heard everybody's like, nah, we're good. Yeah, yeah he's okay, but nah. We're Vanilla fine. Ice just laid waste to that entire option. Except for Snow, our boy from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Informer. Well, I think it was honestly because he did some things to get that record contract. Lick your boom boom down. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> He went to Boomtown. He did. He went found that record executive and licked his boom boom down. <laughs> in 1997, Jason Flom, the head of Lava Records, attended one of Kid Rock's performances. He met with him afterwards, and he gave him a demo containing the song, Somebody's Gotta Feel This, and I Got One For You," which led to Kid Rock signing with Atlantic Records. As part of the recording deal, Kid Rock received $150,000 from the label. By this time, Kid Rock had fully developed a stage persona and musical style and wanted to make a redneck shit-kicking rock and roll album resulting in his fourth studio album devil without a cause recorded in the white room in detroit and mixed at the mix room in la through extensive promoting including performances on the 1999 mtv vma and performing at woodstock 1999 devil without a cause sold 14 million copies damn i mean i knew it sold a lot i didn't realize it was that many though is that platinum that's diamond that's diamond diamond 10 million diamond Mm -hmm. yeah the album's success spurred by Kid Rock's breakthrough hit single, Ba With The Ba. Yeah. After the release of Devil Without A Cause, Rock was a legit superstar. Here's a little insight from Kid Rock on how he chose to handle the stardom. Girls were always throwing themselves at us. It's just when we put the first record out, it was bigger girls in Southern Ohio and Northern Virginia. <laughs> We sold 10 million copies and I was banging supermodels, which I didn't have a problem with, but I always treated people nice. Looking back at those times, I think I got more pussy than fucking anybody because I always treated people nice. That's probably why I got so much fucking pussy. It doesn't hurt that I wrote cowboy. I get it. Picture. Forget about it. But we had our morals in check. We didn't fuck anybody's wife, anybody's girlfriend. We didn't need those headaches. 
So how did he treat his roadies and the staff that played an integral part in his performance and make it a great show? He fucked them too. <laughs> not their wives. No, not their girlfriends. Them. Just, just their them. kids. Just, whoa, 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 oh, no, whoa, no, no, wait, 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 wait. No, Thanks. that was... No, yeah. <laughs> Buddy? <laughs> didn't say anything about the kids. <laughs> Kid Rock was the opening act for Mikey's favorite rap rock crew in the late 90s, Limp Biscuit. Oh, yeah. Oh! Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like I said, I'll fully admit that uh, I definitely had those albums. Like, I went to a Limp Biscuit concert. Yeah, yeah. That yeah of course. Did Limp, I go with you? It was Limp Biscuit and Cypress Hill. That was another friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't go that it, one. There was another friend that went with us, uh, and we had to camp out overnight for yeah. the tickets. Yeah. And um, our buddy gets home, gets into an argument. And granted, we were like 18 years old. Yeah. Gets home, gets into an argument with his mom, and wound up getting pissed off and kicking a trash can. Oh, that's right. That oh, was yeah. turned upside down. He forgot that there was a beer keg under that trash can and broke his toe oh. the morning of the concert. Yep. And mm. uh, he got a, he had a boot on while we were at a Cypress Hill Limp Biscuit yeah. show, just hobbling mm. around on one foot. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, you know, Limp Biscuit was huge. I think the, the, the backlash was so big that they became easy to hate or whatever but the first couple albums were pretty were pretty fun oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and honestly cypress hill i just listened to black sunday the other day driving back from my stepbrothers and was like this album is still banging dude yeah, yeah. so rock said i was told my band you see how limp biscuit treats the roadies and shit we don't do that i was like these people are helping us they're not trying to harm us we're all working together then we saw metallica and they treat their people great we want to be like them we want to treat everybody good don't spit on people don't throw microphones at them don't get pissed off. We want to go a long way, and that's not how you treat people. I've been in the trenches for a lot of years. I was like, let's not fuck this up by being brats. I'll be a brat on stage. When we get the fuck off, we fucking treat them right. They're part of our family. And luckily, I was right, because that fucking helped. You see who's still standing. Kind of a sideways shot there at Limp Biscuit a little yeah, bit. It's yeah, true. I don't know that I would say that Kid Rock's still standing. His career isn't exactly exemplary <laughs> right now. However, I will say that he just, that quote there uh, earns a lot of respect from me. Yeah, just, his stock goes up a little yeah, bit. He's kind of behind the mindset of yeah. where he's at. And you're supposed to take care of those people. These are the people that make sure you look awesome yeah. day in and day out while you're, you know, off partying yeah. and doing stuff like that. So and why would you ever be an asshole about anything, really? If you can avoid it. There's plenty of them. There's oh, of course there is. Of them. I just, Hence I've never our, under, our show. I've but never I mean, understood that mindset. 1999, Kid Rock allegedly starred in an adult film by accident. Okay. I was like, I do not want to see his dick. <laughs> or do I? <laughs> The impromptu adult film also featured Creed frontman Scott Stapp. Now, that guy oh. is an asshole. Oh, we should do a show on him. Yeah. It'd be fairly short in his career. <laughs> it's like three years. <laughs> yeah. Here's the intro. He's saying Arms Wide Open yeah. in that other song that everybody liked. And <laughs> he had a Jesus, Jesus complex. struck him down. Yeah. <laughs> so while the bands were touring with Metallica, sources state that Stapp showed up at Rock's door one night. At the time, Kid Rock had some lady friends visiting, and Stapp had a video camera, and someone recorded them both getting head, with Scott Stapp uttering, it's good to be the king. Oh, that's going in his show. <laughs> <laughs> the tape was never released. Later in 1999, Kid Rock performed at Woodstock, and honestly, he fucking rocked it. I went back and watched his show, and uh, he and Joe C., they fucking killed it. Joe C. was wearing a shirt that said, mm -hmm. I'm not a fucking midget. He looked like he looks like a four year old kid. Oh, like, yeah. Straight up. Well, it's funny because you're watching like they're on stage and you remember there's 
two hundred thousand. Yeah. People oh there. yeah, it's <laughs> huge. Like when they show those, the back shots of when you kind of see behind the performer yeah. out into the sea. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's got to be just an amazing feeling. But then you see Joe C up there like rapping and doing his thing, and you know you take a break and he starts smoking a cigarette, and you're like, it's like a little kid. Yeah, smoking. little kid smoking. <laughs> yeah. But Joe C was the baby, and um. Dave Chappelle's comedy sketch about how he hey, was baby, like, yeah. baby, what you doing out here? Selling <laughs> stop, weed. Stop selling weed, baby. Yeah. I, but I, I watched that uh, documentary uh, recently about uh, Woodstock in 2000 or whatever okay. it was. Yeah. 99. And like I said, corn set. Like, And I'm not even a huge corn fan, but I was like, that set was ripping, dude. Like they, yeah. And it was just so nice to see the energy from that crowd. It was yeah, it was intense, bro. So wasn't, I, wasn't there some controversy about that where they were telling the bands to like calm down a little bit and not put Limp out Biscuit, so much? Limp Biscuit, they said that they asked him to like calm the crowd down and because like they were going nuts, people were getting hurt. Yeah, and they were like, and he was like, hell no, this is fuck Limp this. Show. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. And, fucking chainsaw. Yeah, but it's funny because everybody like I think everybody thinks that like that's when the riots happened, but it didn't happen until the, actually the Red Hot Chili Peppers set at the very end, and uh, you know it's. I don't remember that. Well, yeah. So at the end, and this was another thing that happened because they were like, okay, this is by the time they started burning down things and things were on fire. That's right. And yeah. so Red Hot Chili Peppers, they were like, yo, can you please play something to like calm everybody down? Play like Under the Bridge or something. <laughs> and instead they played Jimi Hendrix Fire. Oh, and, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty hype, dude. The year 2000 was a sad one for rock as his friend and comrade Joe C passed away due to celiac disease. Oh, damn. Celiac disease? Yeah, that's what caused Yikes. him to be so short. God. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. That's a bad one, dude. If only he could have had, like, avoided, like, all that wheat. I mean, like, they had, if he could have <laughs> been around now, he'd probably be okay because you have celiac options everywhere. My mom's got celiacs, and it's not ideal. She developed it later in life. But yeah, like it's it sucks. Yeah, you just can't eat wheat, right? Well, yeah, it's 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 the it's, it's the gluten. Uh, <laughs> but oh, it's true. That one. Yeah. The gluten is like, and that's the thing is, it became like a big deal because all of a sudden there were like people were like that that, that didn't have celiacs were like, oh, well, these gluten's they make me feel bloated and blah blah blah. And uh, like I said, it is a legitimate thing that someone has a gluten allergy, which is basically what celiacs is. The inability to process yeah. wheat. And then it became a fad diet where they were like. Glutens are bad. Like everything that's bad is a gluten. <laughs> Who knows? Like bread and like pasta makes you fat. Yeah. So like those are bad. Well, that's what, remember that movie uh This is the end or whatever? And he was like, What is a gluten? He was like, I don't know. Just stuff that's bad. Like I don't know. <laughs> he was like, Boar's a gluten. <laughs> I wish we could just be gluten free. Yeah. And I hope it's not genetic, because I like bread way too much. I would yeah. rather kill myself than miss out on croissants for the rest of my life. <laughs> Yeah, my my sister in law is a celiac and yeah. or has celiac, and it's like she can't even eat food that's been prepared. Yeah, yeah. in a kitchen. Yeah, that like with wheat, even if it's been like washed down and stuff like that, she wow. has to go through and like redo it. Yeah, I'm a horrible son too. I like go into my mom's. I'm like, I got pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about you. Burgers what do you and want pizza. To eat? I was like, do you just want me to peel the pepperoni? Yeah, I, I say, just scrape you? the toppings yeah. off. Wow. <laughs> just eat the cheese. <laughs> She's like, I'm okay. I'll find something here, like a pickle. <laughs> Rock dedicated the next album, Cocky, to Joe C. And this is the album that included the crossover hit, Picture, with Sheryl Crow. Hate that song. Fucking uh, hate that song. I don't even remember that off the top oh. of my head. Oh, but I remember bad. Sheryl Crow, of oh, course. I saw your picture today. Yeah, I'm it not going to say that. still not like ringing that. any bells. Are you yeah. Keep going. Keep going. 
That's all I remember. I remember <laughs> hearing that and immediately turning the radio off. So that's all I can tell you. I probably remember it if I heard it. Oh, you would absolutely remember it. It was it was huge. It was when my mom was like, it, Oh, this kid rock guy is great. That's exactly right. It was a huge crossover from two different breeds, mm-hmm. right? You had the rock and roll kid rock and rap kid rock. And then you had the Cheryl Crow audience. Yeah. And I hated Cheryl Crow already too. So it really doubled up on my hate for that song. Oh yeah. And it's like a love ballad, yeah. right? Between with them Yeah, both. so it he was, went from kid rock to man rock. I guess at that yeah. point to dipshit. I don't know. I hated it. <laughs> hated it. <laughs> hated it. <laughs> to say that 2001 was a comeback year for Bob would be an understatement. He made his big screen debut in the critically acclaimed blockbuster hit and one of my favorite movies of all time, Joe Dirt. Yeah, yeah. and if you don't like Joe Dirt, fuck you, dude. <laughs> Joe Dirt is awesome, and I know it gets like comedies always get bad reviews, dude. It's like and a one fine. star movie, and most of my favorite movies are one star. No, it's true. Like yeah. I honestly, I usually like if I'm watching a drama, then I will actually pay attention to what critics are saying. If it's a comedy, I discount everything they say because they always get it wrong. Well, Dumb and Dumber, like, they shit on Joe Dirt, they shit on all my subjective. favorite comedies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. comedy is subjective. Well, they always just have like a like a I don't know. They're very they're super pretentious when it comes to comedies, and I'm like, comedies are supposed to be dumb and funny. Like yeah. you're supposed to laugh at dumb shit. Oh, pretty much. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably like Joe Dirt. Yeah. So just yeah. go ahead and watch it. But if you say, don't, fuck you. That's right. If you <laughs> have not seen Joe Dirt, do yourself a favor, carve out about two hours and take in. One of Hollywood's greatest films. Oh. I don't call movies films, but I will in this case. Yeah, because it is a classic. It is. That really, it's like the dramatic peak when he was scraping the frozen dog balls off with a spatula <laughs> was really like it just brought back all these memories of my childhood. I mean, the fireworks scene is like one of my favorite oh, interactions yeah. in between a like employee and a customer in oh, almost yeah. any movie. Yeah, it's infinitely quotable. There's so many good quotes, and like I said, Kid Rock was awesome in it. Hell yeah. Def Leppard sucks. Yeah. There's some Whamburgers and some French cries. <laughs> Call the Whambulance. That's right. Randy, your score is too low. That person was definitely a giant asshole and you rated them like they were Justin Bieber. Wouldn't you like to tell us what you think? Well, now you can. Check us out on all our social media pages and tell us what you think about our scores, shows, and good looks. We'll love to hear what you have to think. Pucker up, Buttercup. It's back to asshole court. So yeah, Bob played uh, Richie, one of the antagonists of the film who would throw wrenches in Joe Dirt's plans to land Brandy, played by Brittany Daniels. Side note, Brittany Daniels is one of the most underrated hotties in history. Especially at that time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and then I found out that she was with uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans, and yep. I was like, oh. whoa, dude, that's wild. That guy's rich. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Real is. rich. And pretty funny. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and Living Color was great. Oh, but yeah, she, she was definitely attractive. Yeah. 2001 was also the year that Kid Rock started dating Pamela Anderson. Life seemed to be pretty good, huh? On what year is this? 2001. So is this after the... Pam and Tommy sex tape or before? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. after. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So life seemed to be pretty good, but uh, what goes up must come down. Rock and Pamela tied the knot in July 2006, but then filed for divorce in November 2006. Together, they gave the standard irreconcilable differences, but Rock later said that the divorce was due to Anderson openly criticizing his mother and sister in front of his son. I told you not to talk about my mama yeah. and my kid. What is it? Yeah. I don't know. I've never, I wasn't ever a huge Pamela Anderson person either. I never, like she was, I never thought she was like super hot, but we've already talked about it too. Cause like, that's just not my, my thing there. Blondes with big fake boobs and stuff like that. Not, yeah. Not my thing. Yeah. But you I like mean like she young dudes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Short dudes with brown hair. Yeah. Fuck. Huge dicks. <laughs> Huge dicks. Kid got the gig of a lifetime. Someday my son is going to have to listen to this show. <laughs> that was Mikey, little guy. <laughs> yeah. That was your dad. Kid got the gig of a lifetime in 2004 when he was invited to play the Super Bowl halftime show. As everyone knows, you're going to have literally hundreds of millions of people watching you perform. God, I would be so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you would fold. I would. Yeah. I would just immediately be like, and, I can't uh, do it. Mikey knows. We can talk shit. He folds under pressure. Mm, He'll bad. tell you that. So he decided to cut a hole in the middle of an American flag and wear it like a poncho during his performance. Mm -hmm. On the surface, it might have looked cool, but it pissed off a lot of people, citing desecration of the American flag. That's a big red flag there, violation. Are, there are a lot of rules for how, you supposed to, how you're supposed to treat an American flag, and it always cracks me up that the, the people that proclaim to be patriots the most are always the ones that are breaking those rules. <laughs> yeah, they're like wearing like a cape. They have like a fucking American a flag. suit. Yeah, or like a diaper, and they're like, I love them. Dude, more flags, more stars, more stripes. I mean, I love the Constitution more than you do. Oh, no. There goes my American flag diaper. Go get the Constitution watch. There you go. He didn't catch too much shit for his performance because if you remember, there was another performer that stole the headline that year. That was the year of Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction. And a lot of the guff that Kid caught was buried in Janet and Justin Timberlake's story. Hold on, wait. They were a dual performer. They had, this? yeah, they had multiple like stages or like yeah, or multiple people go. But yeah, Kid Rock wore the flag, pissed people off. But then Janet Jackson, they're like shoulder star nip. They're like, all right, let's do this one. Let's do Kid Rock and Janet Jackson. And next year, let's do Dolly Parton and Guar. <laughs> So I'm just trying to imagine what it was like backstage with the performers. It was Kid Rock, Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson, P. Diddy, Nelly, and Jessica Simpson. Oh, wow. Mm. And think about them and their respective crews, like oh, yeah. all hanging out in the green room together. Yeah. Interesting. In September 2007 at the MTV Music Awards, Kid Rock ran into another of Pamela's former husbands, Tommy Lee. Huge douche. Things escalated quickly once they saw each other, and they locked fists, and eventually security escorted both of the rockers out of the venue. <laughs> They're both like straight up Bantam weights, <laughs> weighing in at 118 pounds. <laughs> at 6'2". <six two, laughs> I actually Tommy would Lee. pay good money to see like my boy Inouye fight, fight like Tommy Lee, or like 118, <laughs> just get completely flatlined. <laughs> see his hair shake. <laughs> oh! He pulls out a drumstick at some point. <laughs> Dude, and stabs him in the eye. <laughs> Rock later said that his relationship with the Motley Crue drummer had been strained for five years. He was cited for misdemeanor battery, but not taken into custody. And was the fight at a Waffle House? Uh, no. It was at the MTV Music Awards. Yeah. Oh. And I actually watched the footage of this uh, leading up to the show. And because Kid Rock also like had to go to trial for it. Or, and during one of his trials, he was asked about that situation. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, you know, basically we had problems over our children. I'm half raising some of his from Pam and all that. And yeah, he came up talking some shit over some disagreement we had. So I popped his hat up and popped him in the face. And uh, but then, you know, later Tommy called me up and was like, yeah, man, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And yeah. so <laughs> he never had me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was all it. wrong. Just, I yeah. definitely deserve to be punched in the face. 
Yeah, but then, okay. So then somebody fought in the fucking Waffle House. One of these guys did. I swear to Christ. I would. I, I seem to remember a Kid Rock story in a in a Waffle House, and it might have even been here in Georgia. I think so too. I think it was in Atlanta. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. Hmm, kind of interesting. So over the years, one of the things that Kid Rock would sport on stage would be the Confederate flag. In May 2011, <laughs> from Michigan and yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the right side of the tracks. I know Michigan. it's like that trucker convoy up in Canada, and you see like them rocking rebel flag, and you're like, "You're Canadian. You can't get any more north than that." Yeah, you're north of north. Yeah, it ain't about hate. It's about heritage. Our heritage to live three thousand miles north of the of the <laughs> army Mason that sported Dixon this line. flag for a, a confederation that was around for four years. Yeah, dude, it was like high school. Yeah. It's like a high school ring that I'm going to wear for 200 years. In May 2011, Rock was slammed for his notorious use of the flag on stage and accused of racism by protesters, which he defended was an act of homage paid to his idol, Leonard Skinner. I've never flown that flag with any hate in my heart, not one ounce, Rock said after receiving an award from the NAACP's Detroit chapter for his work in the community. He said, I love America, I love Detroit, and I love black people. Rock also knocked Detroit's charities for not defending him against accusations of racism, saying he is very disappointed that none of the people, businesses, or charities I've so diligently supported in Detroit have had anything to say about all these unfounded attacks from these handful of jackasses in the Detroit Free Press. The musician donated at least $50,000 to five Detroit charities in 2011. Two years later, he donated $250,000 to create an interactive music lab at the Detroit Historical Museum and an undisclosed sum to the Detroit Endowed Scholarship at Wayne State University. Well, this is the point, too, is like, I want to sit him down because I, I I don't think, maybe, especially not at this point, it's, it's changed here in the past decade as he's plugged himself into that Republican uh, chair. Yeah, that conservative blogosphere or whatever. But I don't, I don't think he's racist, but I'd be like, just wear a Leonard Skinner t-shirt, maybe. Right. Yeah, you know right. Yeah. Maybe right. you can fly a flag that actually says, I love Leonard Skinner instead of a Confederate battle flag. Because like even, it's, a, it's a charged item, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah. And Leonard Skinner even took it out of their act like 15 years ago. They were yeah. like, yeah, we're kind of done with yeah, that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And he's like, I just want to wear this hood because <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Sealy Posturepedic pillows. And you're like, it looks bad. People don't like that. Why don't y'all defend me? <laughs> in January 2015, following country singers Blake Shelton and Craig Morgan's critiques of Seth Rogen and Michael Moore's comments concerning the film American Sniper, Rock got down with the trash talk as well. The gun enthusiast seemingly took offense to Moore's criticisms of snipers and Rogen's comparison of American Sniper to the Nazi propaganda film playing in the third act of Inglorious Bastards. As he posted a firm fuck you to the two on his website, he said, fuck you, Michael Moore. You're a piece of shit, and your uncle would be ashamed of you. Seth Rogen, your uncle probably molested you. I hope both of you catch a fist in the face soon. Wow. That That's... one does sting a little bit, because I think Seth Rogen's pretty dope. But... Yeah, I like Seth Rogen a I lot. I like Seth. Yeah. And honestly, American Sniper is a, a bit strange, it's if you watch it. I I mean, I get it, and like, honestly, maybe someday we'll do an episode on Chris Kyle, because like the dude was obviously a very good sniper. I don't know what the value is in that, aside from the soldier setting to why people sort of like masturbate to some dude that's really great at blowing people away from distance <laughs> but he also was a kind of a dick dude he was you know he talked about going and uh shooting looters in the um post-katrina 
stuff from like the top of the like Superdome, which was a lie. He didn't do this stuff, but he obviously thought that was a, a really great talking point oh, wow. to bring out with people. I was yeah. basically Kyle Rittenhouse before Kyle Rittenhouse yeah. did his thing. You know, I it's, was just. I don't, I'm not gonna say like I don't know. I'm not gonna get too in depth on yeah, that. But it's weird. Like watch yourself. That There's shit, a lot of that shit came, Kyle fans out there. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, they can shoot me from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I said. That's I, Mikey at AHC right. Podcast. No, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, he sells. Uh, he sells. <laughs> I heard the quiver in his voice. There, so fine. Yeah, he sells uh, seat covers at Walmart. <laughs> we'll give me that Chris, that Chris Kyle Punisher seat cover, <laughs> and then we'll call it even. Know it or not, hunting is a huge thing in Michigan, and Kid Rock loves to hunt. But his passion for chasing big game earned him criticism in 2015 after he evidently shot and killed a mountain lion. Like many hunting enthusiasts, Rock posed for a photo with the animal he had just shot, and the photo wound up on Facebook, courtesy of his hunting partner, none other than Ted Nugent. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Both well, oh, and actually paints the picture of like the last ten years, right? It's well, yeah, certainly. That's I'm sure there's some cross pollination of ideas between <laughs> him and Ted Nugent. But I'll say, as far as like the hunting goes, if he had a proper tag for it, then your real beef is with the I don't know the the, the government. You know, yeah, pretty much. Issuing those tags. Yeah, yeah, if you don't like it, I mean, it's what it is, you know. But yeah. In November 2018, the rocker was booted from the Nashville Christmas Parade lineup for making profane remarks on live television about <laughs> then View host Joy Behar during an appearance on Fox and Friends. What an odd. <laughs> hey, uh, Kid Rock, what do you think about Joy Behar? He said, <laughs> what an odd lead in question. And then, well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. He would say, I love everybody. Except screw that Joy Behar bitch, he said. Rock went on to apologize for the language, but not the sentiment. In August 2019, <laughs> with all due respect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. With all due respect, your mother's a whore. <laughs> In August 2019, Kid Rock went after one of the biggest names out there, Taylor Swift. Swift broke her political silence in the fall of 2018 when she endorsed Democratic candidates in her native Tennessee during the midterm elections and a year later... Rock mocked her political activism when she addressed it in her 2019 Vogue cover. Taylor Swift wants to be a Democrat because she wants to be in movies, period. And it looks like she would suck the doorknob off Holly Weird to get there. Oldest move in the book. Good luck, girl. Man. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. She definitely needs to get movies because she doesn't make enough money off music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing the Swifties came to her aid. Oh, I'm sure. Well, and it's just like... Maybe she just has a different opinion. Yeah, like that's oh, so this thing has come up lately where I'm just like, yeah, everybody has a right to their opinion. You can say whatever you want to. I, and it's just funny that he immediately goes to like, there's no way she actually believes this. She just wants to get into movies. Trust me. Yeah. I know. I've Hell seen no. her type. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't understand why anybody would express their political opinion about me. Jack Hammer and Joy Behar. <laughs> <laughs> In November 2019, Rock was removed from the stage of a honky-tonk bar in Nashville following his explicit tirade against Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> we might agree on that. <laughs> he said she could suck a dick sideways. The singer went on to acknowledge that many would find his sentiment racist, but he told them to fuck off. In June 2021, in a video published by TMZ, Rock was caught using a homophobic slur on stage while calling out crowd members filming him at the Fish Lips Bar and Grill in Smithville, Tennessee. So this is the quote from Kid Rock. This isn't Randy. This is Kid Rock, just to be very clear. He said at the at the bar, he said, you fucking faggots with your iPhones out. 
you can post this dick right here while grabbing his crotch and looking right at the camera. Jesus I should be Christ. laughing, but yeah, I can see well, that. Well, I guess it's just absurd, dude. Now, and when is this? Uh, about eight months ago. Oh, yeah. man. I was hoping you were going to say like 2002. No, this is June 2021. <laughs> it yeah. would have been awesome if a guy was like, I've got an Android. <laughs> yeah, you can post this dick right here while grabbing his crotch. And his first statement since a video surfaced to him using the slur on stage. During Pride Month, no less, Rock used the same slur again in a combative message on social media. Kid Rock said, If Kid Rock using the word faggot offends you, good chance you are one. A message... <laughs> no, <God>. Lawyered! Lawyered! <laughs> Mic drop. That's it. Either way, I know I have a lot of love for my gay friends, and I'll have a talk with them. Have a nice day. Wow. So look, dudes. Now... Y'all don't mind if I use this word right. They're like, actually, we do. He's like, shut the fuck up then. Sounds like, you're one. Yeah, well, I am. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Bob, is that I, I, you know, and like, there's nothing wrong with sucking a dick, Bob. <laughs> All right, boys. And that is Kid Rock. Okay. All right. Yeah. That lined up with uh, just about everything I said in my intro. Had a lot of fun times there in the late 90s, early 2000s. He has become a basically a uh, <laughs> like a talking head for Fox News lately. Yeah, um, he came out with a song here lately that uh, was talking about how much he hates millennials and shit. And I was just, <laughs> just nice. I just like I was like now I don't I think I think uh, honestly I think Kid Rock died and they've replaced him with like a robot. And then oh, they like the plug, Avril Lavigne theory. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And they're just like so like Fox News like Rupert Murdoch bought the Kid Rock body and then like. <laughs> created they're like oh kids are gonna love it now we'll get our ideas out there about hating millennials and shit we will call him papa rock papa rock yeah yeah i don't so i'm gonna uh well actually buddy you started uh first so why don't you go ahead and and, end with your score bud all right so for me you know from everything that we've heard today it doesn't really seem to me like he is the biggest asshole or really an Mm -hmm. asshole by a lot of the standards that we have seen people and covered people on this show because it it almost seems like it's just a bunch of funny stories with you know people trying to pick a little bit of controversy in there where they can and i mean i'm sure he gives a lot a lot of room for people to misinterpret things but i don't think he's a racist um i think he might say things from time to time to create controversy but i mean especially when you're growing up and being a dj in that scene in detroit where you're playing for nothing but hip-hop people i mean you grow up in that scene there's a level of comfortability that you start to develop with that and um i i really don't think that uh anybody that calls him a racist i, I don't think that they're on point with that um you know i heard a story or two uh while doing the research on the show as well and it was talking about steve-o has this thing about celebrities he's done drugs with mm-hmm. And uh, he talks about a Paris Hilton party that he went to down in Miami and met Kid Rock. And Kid was like, Steve-O, why don't you come over to this room? And they go over to this room that's like this huge room with a couple of girls. And Kid's like, do you have any Coke? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Steve-O pulls out like a, a bag and they like, they're like on this like really big piano. And he kind of like dumps it out right there and Kid like kind of looks at him and laughs and pulls out like just this huge bag and like <laughs> drops it onto the piano. And he was like, you know, people will like grab, you know, like a credit card or something and start busting out lines. And he just pulled out his arm and was like moving it. And I was like, what the fuck are we going to do with that? Yeah. He was like, we're just going to chip away at it. And he was like, and we were still chipping away at it two o'clock the next day. I mean, God damn, you know, and I've never even heard of him having a cocaine problem. Yeah. Uh, obviously he can like handle that shit unlike me like because tivo could not handle his drugs 
Uh, but, uh, you know, I really haven't heard anything that has convinced me that he is an asshole. It actually sounds like he's really good to the people around him, his road crew. You know, it seems like, you know, he picks up fans along the way and even helps them out. So, I mean, I didn't hear anything that unless I'm missing something, I didn't hear anything that really pushed him up in score for me. So I'm going to I'm going to keep well, some of his comments here later, maybe. But I mean, I originally had him at a four point five. I'm going to kick him up to a 4.75 as a final asshole score okay. for Kid Rock. Kid All right, Rock. Mikey, what you got? So, like I said in the beginning, I'm sort of conflicted because I didn't know that he talked about being a super nice guy to his road crew, so that brought some points down. Uh, he gave a lot of money to charity. That seems pretty cool. I don't think that he's a... Or I, don't, I definitely don't think he was a racist back in the day or anything like that. I do think Ted Nugent is a racist, uh, and I think that's troublesome that he's hanging out with him, and I'm sure that the conversations have gotten awkward, but I haven't been there for him. I think his uh, appropriation of the rebel flag is hilarious, considering he's from Michigan, and also a bit misguided, uh, because like I said, just wear a Leonard Skinner t-shirt, buddy. It's okay. I like Leonard Skinner, too. I also don't really love the Confederacy. Um but the yeah his his later years I, I love 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 Joe Dirt uh, I thought he was honestly one of the highlights in Joe Dirt absolutely yeah um, but yeah his shit over the past ten years has been a little bit obnoxious so I'm just gonna he's gonna level himself out I'm gonna leave him at a five point what I have five point two five yes yeah yep. I'll leave him at a five point two five all right all right Randy what you got. So it's crazy to watch the guys you saw as 20-somethings come up and make it in the music world, but then they get older, they always seem to kind of dive into politics. Yeah. I may not agree with what he says. Like you said, definitely not a fan of the Confederate flag. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the end of the day, I mean, I do like the dude's older music, Yeah, and I could imagine hanging out with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and that's the thing I was going to say, too, is that some of the music I like, but but picture is enough that it almost bumped him up some points too. And also that shitty song where he took Werewolves of London and turned it into yeah. Northern Michigan or whatever it was, Summer in Northern Michigan. Like I said, my mom liked the song, so I obviously knew it was awful. Uh, but that means that American Badass, as cheesy as it is, oh, man. will get you fucking amped, bro. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. mostly Metallica. Yeah. But and I read a story too, going back to kind of his philanthropic stuff. It was an article with one of his buddies that was like, I've been this dude's friend for 30 years. He's like, we'll be riding in the car and he'll get a call. He's like, you can tell by the conversation that somebody's thanking him, mm-hmm. like, you know, just profusely. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. You know, he's, you could tell that he probably stroked a check for a crazy amount of money to mm-hmm. help somebody out. And he just never really talks about it. It's not mm-hmm. like he doesn't brag to people how much money he gives and all this, that, and right. the other. It's just kind of, the dude that he is, you yeah. know, so I'm right with Buddy, actually, uh, you know, again, don't line up with him politically as far as, you know, Joy Behar and all the, the Fox and Friends <laughs> Not that stuff. I love Joy Behar. I just don't hate her either. Right. And that's the thing. I, I don't give a shit about it. Yeah. But I'm very middling when it comes to politics. So I'm mm-hmm. not polarized either side. Yeah. Uh, end of the day, I'm at a 4.75 as well for Kid Rock. OK. All right. With a 4.75 from Buddy, a 5.25 from Mikey. And a 4.75 from Randy, Kid Rock's final asshole score is a 4.9. 4.9. He just edged out Ty Cobb, and he is slightly less of an asshole than Tila Tequila. And I think Ty Cobb was more racist than he was. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. He was. But yeah. Ty's, we've it was a different time. Yes. Yeah, and when we did Ty Cobb, the show, it was also a different time for us. It was the very it first show the we very ever did. very first show yes. we ever did. Exactly. Yeah. So we might need to place him a little higher, yeah. but revisit yeah. it. 
All right, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. Look, we're over two years deep into this trek, and we hope you've listened to all our shows. But if you haven't, there's still hope. They're all available on your normal streaming platforms, but the best way to listen is through patreon.com slash ahcpodcast. You'll get all the shows ad-free, as well as voting power for future shows, cool stickers, and other outstanding shit. Be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court. I saw your picture I'm today. About to play it. Yeah. When and I sat on your face. Yeah.